doubting me gon' praise me. Yeah. Homies that had love for me gon' hate me. That I felt, can't wait to see yeah. This what happens when you're so amazing I can a nigga wavy Hell yeah, I'm wavy Always real in the face Little fake, I've been faced With that hate, so much sauce on display Hell yeah, nigga Hey everyone, how's it going? Welcome to Self Shoots the Shit Episode 12 So vulgar <laughs> so vulgar. That's half the reason I have my own show. I can say whatever I want to. Oh. Yeah, true. Derail. I want to talk about streaming and to share this conversation with me. I brought a few friends along. Um, first up, I have Mr. Riley of Four Names. Apparently, how's it going, Riley? <laughs> hey, what's going on, Josh? And I got with me. Um, also known as Twitch, Mr. Will. How you doing, buddy? Yo, I'm doing all right. What's going on? It's another day in paradise. And last but not least, a uh, good friend of mine I've known for a really long time. Um, how's it going, Mario? Sunday, fun day. Let's get it. Yeah, man. <clears throat> so I want to start with a, a few questions about streaming. It's something that I've been interested in for a while, and... I've actually had people ask me like why I'm not doing it. I don't really have a good reason other than I just haven't gotten around to it. But it's something that's been blowing up over the past few years and a lot of people are starting to dabble in it here and there. And I want to ask you guys, um, what made you start streaming? I'll start with you, Riley. Um, so I stream competitive Magic the Gathering or sometimes not so competitive. And I think what really made me want to start streaming was as I played more and more, I'd ha- I would screen share with teammates and friends. And as they'd watch, be like, man, this is just hilarious and fun. I'm a pretty vocal and uh, kind of a social butterfly individual. So I like just talking while I do stuff anyway. Um, so it was kind of a way to combine my hobby of playing Magic Online, which is typically kind of a solitary activity. You know, you're sitting at home alone playing online with the fact that I'm social and I like engaging with other people. So it's kind of a cool way to, to combine both those things and engage with people while doing something that's typically a, a solitary activity. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Mario? Uh, so it's pretty much a social aspect, you know, uh, playing on moto, especially grinding for like GP practice or open practice, it can be pretty solitary and just streaming allows people to kind of see the games you're playing, and also comment on any misplays you've made. Um, I'm also a big advocate of playing what you want, and I want people to understand the experience that you can also do well, either with Rogue or Homebrew decks. So it's really important for me to stream and share my experiences. Uh, Typically, when I go to a venue, I'm very quiet. I'm focused on the day ahead of me. So streaming kind of gives me that opportunity to be goofy, be social when I'm typically seen as a very serious player. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, what about you, Twitch? Well, it, it came more of a necessity more than anything. Um, back maybe about four or five years ago, uh, back when Binding of Isaac speedrunning was really huge. I saw, uh, another local streamer, uh, uh, Cobalt Streak. 
I popped in one of his streams one night and all of a sudden I'm seeing people throwing $50 donations, $75 donations, $25 donations. And I'm like, well, maybe the self-imposing attention whore that I am, that maybe I can get my feet on the ground and start running. Um, so it's like, it started off with Biting of Isaac speedruns, started learning everything, and then it slowly started expanding from there. And it's, it's like I've been uh, described as a, a TCG variety streamer. And mainly it started with a uh, format for Magic Online called 3DH, where you have to build a commander deck uh, under uh, three ticks. So I just started building decks and just going from there, just enjoying the communities that I've been a part of uh, for the past five or six years now. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, <clears throat> since you guys aren't having millions of people on your streams yet, um, what would you consider to be like a successful day streaming? Like, Do you have a certain number of views that you have to get or – a number of people in the audience watching at you at a particular time. Do you have a, a set goal or are you doing it more like I'll enjoy the ride and what, whatever I get, I get. So I'm more of a, whatever I get, I get. Um, I started getting excited once viewers are the double digits and kind of stick there. Um, I really enjoy when people join the stream and they stay along for the entire ride. So they get to see exactly how the leak went and get my full feedback on how the matches went. What about you, Riley? Um, you know, so it's interesting. I, I think for me, at least with where I'm at with streaming, where, you know, I'm nowhere near any kind of, I mean, even, um, uh, Twitch's levels of um, stuff going on as far as follower count, all that kind of thing. I, I think for me, my gauge of success on an, any given day of streaming is not just like a number of viewers. Like even if I get just six, seven, whatever viewers, that's fine. I really love when chat engages with me um, while I stream. I think that's my favorite part of streaming is having people watch what I do and engage with me even if it's like sometimes not even positive just having people be like hey that was a really stupid play there and i get something i can kind of work off of and feed off of mm -hmm. um and talk about while i go having a bunch of people silently watch you is kind of like you know the equivalent of like that awkward moment you walk into a room you're not supposed to be in and everyone's just sort of staring at you <laughs> um I've so plenty of those moments. I, I think that's that's my 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 gauge of success if i have a stream where like when i finish up I can look back at chat and I got to scroll and scroll and scroll because everybody's like chats talking to each other. People who don't know each other are talking. Um, you know, they're talking to me. I'm giving feedback back to them and we're, you know, going through it as kind of an experience together. I, th I think that's success for me on any given day of streaming. What about you, Switch? If, if I call, like, a good chunk of the people that come in are ones where it's like, they're really good friends, and it's like, hey, I'm streaming. Come in here. Hey, are you doing anything? No? Okay, come in here. And it's it's like, as of right now, it's like unknown to Riley and Mario. Um, I'm currently streaming. I'm simulcasting the, uh, the, the, the podcast recording, and I have one person in here. 
Mm-hmm. I call I call it a success, even though that there's about seven different Magic the Gathering chat bots that happen to be sitting in my chat right now. <laughs> I'll take it. Um, however, there was one of those moments to where, like, like if I'm doing it for a cause, like for, like I did, I did something for Extra Life, and uh, things started, you know relatively slow and went slow the entire night. I didn't get a single donation, but yet I, I, I still call it a success because even though if there's not one person in one person in there, I can still consider it like, like a artist draws not for the attention, not for the fame. He draws because he loves to perform and do art. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's what I do every single time I boot up. That actually makes a lot of sense. I mean, there's no point in doing art and putting your heart and soul into something if you're basing like what you get out of it on how many people are buying your product or how many people are interested in what you're doing. It, it seems like it's something that you have to be doing for yourself more than for other people. Um, yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. You know, Josh, I think to feed off of that, like, and it's kind of exactly what, what he was just saying, you know, so I've had this, it really relates a lot to me for to, to competitive magic grinding, which I know you know a lot about, Josh, where, like, you know as well as I do, and we've seen, you, both of us have probably seen dozens and dozens of people do this through the years where like if you're the type of grinder and the type of person who goes into a competitive game and not even just magic really any competitive sport or game where you value yourself and your input based on your record and how well you do then you will burn out really really fast because the fact of the matter is that life isn't fair no matter how hard you work you're not going to do as well as you're dreaming in your mind most of the time and that's fine but like your goal shouldn't be measured in your record if it's magic or in terms of streaming. It should be measured in, you know, uh, how many viewers you get or how many followers you have or how many, you know, subscribers you have or donations or whatever. Your goal should be to have fun, to, you know, create something, to whatever it may be, but it should be personal. And then those other things are kind of like a really nice bonus that comes with it. But if you base your outcome on that, like if you try to go into streaming with, well, if I don't have a hundred followers by the end of the first month of streaming, then what is even the point? You're not going to be streaming very long because that's just not how it works. Like your goal should be, I want to do this because it's fun and this is what I want to do. And like, whatever happens, happens. Like, (laughs) yeah, Yeah, I think, I think for me, it's like I had this idea of, you know, going in and like, within six months have be like financially set. No, I got humbled pretty damn quickly. Um, you know, I've been, I've been streaming on H2O happy dude for like maybe about, I want to say about close to four years going on now. And the only reason why I have an affiliate status right now is because of one single person hosting me for 600 people. Yeah, and, get those breaks. Yeah, it's like 
I never expected it. I never saw it coming. And then Christmas Day, I see this affiliate email sitting in my sitting in my inbox, and I'm like, "Well, shit, what do I do with this now?" Because it's something that I've attained, and I'm like, "Where the fuck do I go with this?" So, how do you think streaming has changed um, gaming over the past seven or eight years? Like, streaming has been around for a while but it wasn't always there and it wasn't as big now as it was some time ago. So like, how do you think it's influenced the way people play games and everything? Well, as a spectator sport, it fucking sucks <laughs> because it's like when, when uh, it's like, I'll be, I'll be brief on this, but when, when you're playing a competitive game, everyone expects you to have such a uh, high skill level. I mean, Josh, you made the pro pro tour. I know uh, Riley and Mario's probably, you know, either been super close or gotten there. But, you know, when I play, uh, oh God, what was it? Even, even when I play Pokemon TCG online and make misplays, I get chastised to hell and back. So, I mean... They, they, it's like, oh, well, he's streaming, so we're going to put him on this extremely high pedestal. Whether or not my credentials meet a uh, Louis Scott Vargas or uh, Gabriel Nassif or Pat Chapin, they expect me to be up here, but they are thoroughly disappointed in the process. <laughs> but uh, as as uh, gaming as a whole, it actually, even though some companies do not acknowledge it, I consider it to be sort of like a advertisement mm-hmm. because back a couple of years ago when uh, uh, Nintendo started putting the, uh, the, the ban hammer on uh, people playing their games, it's like, no, don't do that. Don't, don't take revenue from the people that we go out of our way to watch because if, if I'm going to put money into my stream by buying a capture card, a Nintendo switch and, any like let's say Mario Odyssey I'm playing it not, not only because I love it but I want other people to join in on the ride with me yeah and it's it's one of those things of you know we we see it one way and everyone else sees it completely different and it's it's being a huge conflict with each other yeah if that makes any sense yeah, I mean, I can see how larger companies, if they don't know exactly what they get out of somebody streaming their games or whatever, I can see why they might be upset about it. But I think that'll probably be totally different. Like, we've had um, major companies invite people to stream their content because they understand the power of advertising and getting personalities, both big and small, to showcase your product is gives a lot more people interested in what you're what they're doing and more likely to buy their stuff yeah it's like uh like shortly after blizzcon uh the blizz the blizzard campus started bringing in people to stream hearthstone world of warcraft starcraft and as soon as all the companies realize that hey we need to start doing this to help benefit other people then it will go so much smoother and so much easier. I mean, 
even though it's not it's it started off not to the point where everyone wanted it to be uh wizards of the coast with their uh uh quote-unquote sponsored uh streamer or content creator for magic arena all you need to do is post a video a week that's it stream magic arena four times a week that's it it's it started off where it's like a thousand views minimum, blah blah blah. Uh, Twenty five hundred subs. I'm like, no, that's <laughs> that's not how it works. Uh, what about you, Mario? Like, have you seen uh, gaming change over the past few years due to uh, streaming? Uh, gaming has become cool. Um, we live in a time where, if you say you're a gamer, either a none gamers no longer not understand what that means or B immediately put you in this bucket of being a nerd or a freak or whatever. And the reason why is because streaming, um, Mm -hmm. no matter who you are, you know, you've heard of Twitch. Um, you heard of of twitch.tv. There we go. Um, you have heard of some of the most popular games out of your advertisements or, tournaments where it's high exposure either on ESPN or on some popular news uh, broadcast. Uh, so I feel like uh, without streaming, without twitch.tv, uh, we would kind of still be in the dark ages of gaming where the only people who know about it are the gamers themselves. Yeah, it makes sense. What about you, Riley? So, you know, it's, it's pretty... So I... What Mario was just saying was actually interesting, and I have something else I was going to say first, but I want to kind of address that first, because I think you make a really good point. Um, You know, a couple, I want to say two or so years ago, I was on a panel at AwesomeCon in Washington, D.C., and discussing uh, nerd culture intersecting with popular culture um, in the last whatever, five to 10 years. And, you know, it's interesting because like, not even just with gaming, but we'll, we'll bring it back to that since it specifically relates, relates to streaming and whatnot. But like, it's interesting, isn't it? That like 25 years ago, if you were to wear a Star Wars shirt or um, Star Trek, you know, reference things that reference Star Trek or Doctor Who or, you know, supernatural which didn't exist at the time but effectively you know the, you get the gist yeah. that stuff wasn't just part of the mainstream they weren't selling that at target <laughs> you know like like now i, I always laugh at, to myself whenever i i went into target this uh shoot last week and with my wife and i'm going to go pick up a couple of dress shirts for work and in the men's section the men's set not the children's section the men's section they literally have rows upon rows of t-shirts that just reference everything from, you know, every nerd fandom you can possibly imagine. Oh, yeah. There was World of Warcraft shirts. There were, you know, Atari and like, I mean, just all kinds of stuff that used to be this little sect that I, I imagine probably most of us here in this group probably grew up in. I know I was, you know, the scrawny, dorky kid in, in elementary school, you know, where you know, I, I, I grew up playing stupid, obscure, you know, JRPGs and <laughs> whatever that like no one else knew about, you know? Yeah. And, um, 
I don't know. It's just it's fascinating to me that that that's come around, and I, and I think you're to get back to the point that streaming is a large part of that. I think the fact that you know people playing these games for the world to see, um, and having these personalities where like you know take someone like a ninja or whatever, pick your favorite big time streamer, right? Like you see these guys, they aren't the classic image of you know awkward can't form a proper sentence is stuttering and stumbling over themselves nerd right like they're personable they have these big flamboyant personalities that pop off the screen and like you want to watch them you want to see what they're doing and it's it's cool it is it's cool like it's cool to watch like when i watch you know courage or whoever stream black ops you know it's it's awesome, you know? <laughs> like, I, I want to be them. That's cool. And that's not how it used to be. And so I, th- I think that's a really fascinating part of it. But to get, and I, I promise won't go too much longer, but to get back to my original point, I think it kind of all focuses back to what I was saying in the first question you asked me in that um, I think the biggest thing streaming has done for gaming is it's taken gaming from being a mostly individual experience to being a group and social one um and that was also obviously hugely helped by like online connections and things like that which sort of came was the precursor to streaming um but streaming in particular just feeling like you're a part of something larger when you're engaging in an activity that you know again when we were kids 20 years ago whatever would have been you by yourself in your basement maybe bringing some friends over to play golden eye you know like that was the most social gaming got was playing nfl blitz you know and now it's like you can play a game and have a social activity with hundreds of people which is just a crazy thing to think about that it never used to be that way before and i think that's a really huge part of what streaming has done for the gaming community yeah well so, go ahead mario so i think you brought up a good point about target and them having items for sale that was gaming related like world of warcraft um, I feel like streaming had a very big part in that because it was an opportunity to finally put numbers behind the audience. Yeah. So you can go into like a World of Warcraft stream or you can go to League of Legends Worlds and there's more viewers watching that than the Super Bowl. It's very hard for retailers and investors to ignore that. Mm-hmm. And sure. it's like, okay, you know, if there's two three million people spending time watching this some percentage of these individuals would probably also want to open their pocketbooks for some sort of merchandise for this same thing that they're viewing mm-hmm. so i feel like streaming uh, has played a big part in that as well definitely i mean when you're able to like as a marketer as a you know xyz person in a suit behind the big decisions if you will you know when that weird sect of society that's into those nerdy games with fantasy swords and the Pokemans or whatever, when all of a sudden you get handed a spreadsheet and you say, whoa, there's a lot of people in that weird sect. That's a lot of people that are willing to spend a lot of money on stupid stuff that doesn't cost us a lot to make. <laughs> that's a that's a pretty motivating factor to include that in your, in your marketing, for mm-hmm. sure. So the, the crazy part to me, though, is that when we have um like videos that have you know 200 million views and all this it's still often unknown 
like a large part of the population is fully aware of it. There's other big part that has no idea what's going on at work. I've had, I'll tell somebody, you know, I have a podcast or whatever. You should check it out. And the first thing they say is what's a podcast. It's like, wait, there are people that don't know what a podcast is. And I've talked to people um, about, you know, games like Fortnite and League of Legends, and they have no idea what I'm talking about. And I think streaming is bridging that gap, but I feel like there's still a very long way to go. Like, people know what the Super Bowl is, but you have games that get more viewers in the Super Bowl, but people have no idea what League of Legends is. And that's crazy to me. Like, if you're any type of marketer, like, how do you not know where people are going to be sitting comfortably, more or less captive, um, watching League of Legends or these other games? And there's just so many people that have no idea what's going on. It's like, man, you're leaving so much money on the table. Well, the whole, the whole thing that I gathered from, like, from the first year that they did uh, – the Heroes of the Dorm Grand Finals on ESPN. Mm. I do understand that it it kind of fits the age demographic that they're going for. It's like professional gaming is is on par with professional wrestling to the point where they're, they're trying to capture the 18 to 32 male demographic. But when your jocks are wanting your, your preseason Major League Baseball and they see someone playing video games, believe it or not, for a life-altering experience, they hit Twitter hard. It's like, why the hell is this on ESPN? I want my baseball. I want my this. I want my that. And yet, the same thing happened again when uh, Street Fighter Four Grand uh, Top 8 for Evo was on there as well. Oh my God. She's like, I'm just going to sit here angrily type on my keyboard because I can't do anything else in my life. Sorry. It's just that we as nerds are like uh, my friend Eve in chats that it was like, we're easy to please. If you put something on a nationwide platform, we'll watch. We won't pay attention to social media after, but we'll put eyes on it because that's what you want. And that's what we want to see. Uh, the, the crazy part is that there's still, um, in the eyes of many people, this stigma in terms of like gaming where um, you're sort of ostracized by a large part of the community. Like, that's obviously changing over the past, you know, 10 years or so, but there's still a lot of people who look at playing video games as something that these other people do, you know, like you're living in your mama's basement or you're, you know, like unfit, you know, you're unhealthy. You don't know how to talk to women, all these kind of like negative stereotypes. There's still a lot of people that feel that way, even though we've come really far. We have shows like Big Bang Theory, um, sort of bridging that gap, you know, letting the rest of the world know that they're actually regular people that do these things, you know? Yeah, it's like it's like one of one of the one of the easiest trolls was like it's like I kind of hope you can actually you know get get off the uh, computer and go get a life. I'm like, this is my life. It's just one that you don't want me to have. Yeah. So it's like there 
there's there's outlets and stuff out there to where like nerds are eventually going to rule the earth no doubt about it either by like video games uh tech companies uh podcasting streaming we are eventually going to be one of the uh we're eventually going to be the one percenters and happens to be that no one likes that well i mean go ahead riley Somebody go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I'll be I'll be quick. I um. So there's a couple things at play, right? Where one, there's something to be said for the fact that like, I I think even saying like the nerds will take over the earth or whatever, you know, as it becomes more and more prevalent, I don't even think that's necessarily true. I just think the definition of what a nerd is is changing, right? Like, I think that whenever someone uses the term nerd or what have you negatively, um, it's always going to be changing to whatever the easiest sect of people to create an outlier out of is. So like if people playing video games, like if you figure let's, let's rewind back to, um, you know, early, early, early video games, right? So at that time, since video games were brand new and no one used them except for people who were really dedicated text-based video games, what have you like, if you played any video games at all, you were immediately a nerd because just the sheer concept of getting a video game to begin with made you a nerd. And then things became a little more co- you know, common. So then it was more like, all right, well, if you play Call of Duty or like the really common games, that doesn't count. Like Mario Party, yeah, everyone plays Mario Party and Mario Kart, sure. But if you play like, you know, Final Fantasy, then you're a nerd. And then, you know, they made 32 Final Fantasy games and, you know, became the best-selling JPRG fan franchise of all time. And... That wasn't, everyone's played Final Fantasy before, you know, everyone's, everyone's played this, you know, everyone's played arcade games, all that stuff. That's, that doesn't make you know anymore. Everyone's played Tekken, you know, my sister played Tekken, you know, like, and she's a softball jock, you know, everyone's played Tekken. So that's not a nerd anymore. Now it's if you played XYZ obscure thing, or if you do this, if you're, if you code, if you know, whatever, whatever the barrier to make something a negative term is, it's always going to change so that whoever the group that's trying to do the bullying is no longer included in it. Right. So the, the Mark Zuckerberg's of the world, the, the people who are nerds who rise up and become powerful, rich people, and not even just that, just become normal um, in society. They aren't going to be included in nerd anymore. When you use it negatively, it's always going to be a changing definition to whatever is the easiest group of people to create an outlier out of. That makes a lot of sense, though. Like, I, I really didn't think about it like that, but the the line in terms of where nerd is in a negative sense has been changing a lot, you know? Yeah, it's like in the four, past four years, like, I wouldn't go around telling people I play Magic or, like, I'm a big gamer. Um, the real breakthrough moment for me was when I qualified for Pro Tour Sydney, and I had to ask to take two weeks off. And it was like, hey, you know, I'm taking two weeks off. You know, I'm going to be out of the country. And I didn't actually have the full two weeks of PTO remaining. So I had to ask a big favor of my director. Uh, so when he finally asked me why I needed the extra time, I was like, well, I qualified for the Pro Tour. It's a card game. And surprisingly, he knew what it was. And he was yeah. immediately excited, excited. He gave me the time off. And then 
from that moment on, it was kind of like I started opening myself more and more up to work, start bringing play mats to hang, and more and more people just simply asked about it because they just didn't know. And uh, the funny thing that happened is that their perception of me did not change. And yep. that's when I really started defragmenting my personal life and like my gaming life. Um, it came a point where, or there was a time where when I dated people, like I would not tell them that I played magic because until like I knew that they saw me for me, mm-hmm. but in reality, they weren't really seeing me for me because I was leaving out such a big portion of myself. Yeah. Uh, so it took a long time to realize that and uh, be open about one of my favorite hobbies. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. You know, we, we try to present the, what we think is going to be positive and hide the negative. And um, I think for the people that I've had good relationships with, the fact that I play Magic and Call of Duty and other things doesn't matter to them. But I have had people be bothered by me playing Magic or whatever. Um, especially, like, with frequency, you know? Um which is, I, I, can, I get it, and that's kind of shaped me a bit, where it's like, well, if I don't tell them I play, then they won't think that I'm in this particular category or whatever, you know? They'll think that I'm, quote, normal. Um, but as, as I've gotten older, it's like, you know what, this is something that I do. Like, there's no point in hiding it anymore, you know? Yeah, it's one of those things where, like, I never felt like there was something wrong with gaming or something wrong with playing Magic in particular. The problem was a stranger's perception to it. Yeah, yeah. And not being want to be bothered with dealing with explaining it or, you know, any changes in um, their opinion of me. Um, a very good story, uh, because this happens within a Magic community where even as Magic players, they have a very linear opinion on who the typical player is. Mm-hmm. Um, so GP Charlotte, I'm uh, back at the Western Hotel in the elevator. Uh, Brad Nelson gets in, and uh, I started talking Magic with him, and at the end of it, he was like, I never would have guessed that you were a Magic player. Yeah. And I was like, why is that? He was like, you just don't look the part. I was like, well, actually, we've played several times on Moto, blah, 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 and he was just like, mind blown that I was a Magic player. And I was just like, so even with our own, even within our own community, there's still those, uh, I wouldn't say prejudices, but assumptions of people. Mm-hmm. I mean, let, let's, let's go back and take a look at, uh, you know, someone that you, it's like, has these stereotypical, you know, looks like a gamer. Um, let's go back to 2008 at uh, Pro Tour Berlin, Louis Gavarius. He is literally in that, in that top eight, he was literally twice the man that he is now because he lost so much weight since then. Mm-hmm. And everyone's, everyone's expecting like the big guys, like, like, uh, like, like your Brad Nelson where everyone has a stereotypical look of, you know, uh, you know, five, three as wide as he is tall and can barely get up a flight of stairs. You know, it's like, we all have our own, you know, looks and quirks and, you know, to be frank, none of us fit that stereotypical gamer mold. Like, 
I can't I can't see Mario, but I don't think I've met him before. But I'm assuming that he doesn't. <laughs> That's what I, I don't know if you guys have noticed, but uh, you know, Reed Duke is a human that exists who is six foot whatever, has beautiful luscious hair, has <laughs> guns bigger than my head, and can fit in the tightest of blue jeans, by the way, <laughs> and is also one of the best magic players in the world. Now, if someone ever gets in contact with whatever God anyone believes in and can explain to me how it's fair that Reed Duke gets to oh, have yeah. all of those attributes all in one, like he's supposed to at least be like ugly, right? If he's going to be <laughs> a magic. Animal. But like, I like barely made, I, I always like write five foot six on like my like driver's license thing. So it makes me feel a little bit better, you know? <laughs> Because I, I I know in my heart of hearts that it's really more like five and a, five five and a quarter, you know, but like, <laughs> and I scrape by to to get married. I found someone who's willing to stick with me, you know. Aww. And meanwhile, here you got Reed Duke just walking around. I'm like, holy crap, man! Reed Duke's a stud. This isn't <laughs> fair. <laughs> You're supposed to like go play basketball or something. <laughs> he looks like an athlete, like a. Like a bro, you know. Oh my god, absolutely. He he, he like, looks like the kind of person that would pick on us for playing magic. Yeah, oh, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> and not to mention, oh by the way, also he's got a great personality and by all accounts is a super great guy who's really nice, you know. I know, right? Like right. that's the thing. He's not even an asshole about it. Right, exactly. Like at least be a dick, you know? <laughs> oh, and I'm I'm also being reminded about Vin Diesel having his own D and D show on YouTube. Sure. Vin Diesel, yeah. uh, you know, I was just uh, watching a interview with joseph gordon levin talking about his collection of moxon i saw that and i damn near cried <laughs> yeah like unfair man unfair <laughs> well, that's how cookie crumbles i guess um, so i guess we'll uh bring the show to a close uh, i want to give each of you a chance to to plug your stream so that all the listeners can check you guys out um, I'll start with you, Riley. Oh, sure. Uh, what's up, guys? My name is Riley, also known as Potato. I'm a member of Gilpack Gaming, the premier competitive Magic Gathering team of the Mid-South. My stream is twitch.tv slash potatomtg. Um, I stream competitive Magic Gathering or not so competitive, given on whatever deck I end up being donated. Um, Can't on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. On uh, uh, Mondays, Thursdays, and sometimes Sundays, usually around 5-ish. Um. So, uh, tune in. What about you, Mario? Hey, everyone! It was a pleasure being on this podcast. Uh, once again, my name is Mario Lillard, aka Anonymous. You can find me on Twitch.tv forward slash The Anonymous, sponsored by Card Monster Games and a part of Team Heart Knox. Also, check out our webpage at www.teamheartknox.com. Feel free to visit my stream anytime. Uh, mostly modern, limited, and uh, lots of good EDM music. What about you, Twitch? I am quite possibly the only person here that is not that is not currently active in the competitive magic scene. <laughs> so uh, basically, uh, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Twitter, Twitch, HDL, happy to you'll find me on there. Um, not affiliated with any team, but however, if you come into my chat room saying, hey, Waterboy, you will automatically be timed out. Just fair warning. 
<laughs> oh man, it was a great time talking with you guys, and I'll uh, check out y'all streams. Appreciate the the conversation. No problem. Thanks, Thanks for having us. This that new wave, hate her face, stank, look like Rocky, hit him, shoulda stayed down, bay, got a down, bay, rocking with him, ops with it, pound cake, better know they rocked it with him, know they dap and pound fake, know I spit that pop and sizzle like my reds in reverse, blood circles, riding waves, twitching birds for throwing shade, get exposed like a lot out of K, they all feed in a hurt, some of the fly side space, I don't trip off him, work that rocking rhythm, run Jane, know some folk that died in me, gon' praise me. Yeah.